This is a Fubar Radio podcast. Go to fubarradio.com for more details. Screen Talk with Dan Clark on Fubar Radio. Hello and welcome to Screen Talk with me, Dan Clark. Now, I've been away for a couple of weeks, as, uh, as some of my regular listeners will will notice. Uh, I went away for work reasons, but uh, I was lucky enough to uh, catch up with an old friend of mine. He's a comedian, a writer, an actor, just a generally very, very funny man. There's some people in life who say funny, some people who do funny. Uh, He's actually both of them, but he is one of the funniest men on the planet when it comes to just doing funny. He's just got funny bones uh, and a very clever, lovely man. Uh, I am talking, of course, of Mr. Rich Fulcher. You'll know him mostly, probably in this country, from his contributions, appearances in The Mighty Boosh, um, Bob Fossil uh, being one of his regular characters. But he's also written a book, uh, written and starred in sketch shows, um, uh, he, he's been in loads of stuff, so we had a lot to chat about. I caught up with him in LA, uh, and uh, yeah, we had uh, we had a lovely chat. Now, since I've been away, uh, many things have happened, but one of them that's uh, dear to my heart and uh, saddened me when I heard the news was the uh, was the death of Gene Wilder. Now, I know we've all just talked about him, and we've all posted, uh, you know, our favourite clips. Of, things that he did uh, from his films. But I uh, I want to talk about him just briefly because he was such a huge inspiration to me when I was a kid. And then as I entered my teens, uh, his films had a whole new meaning to me. Um, he, you know, he's in like four or five of what are considered the all-time classic comedies. Um, and I think the thing that gets me about, like, he was 82, right? So it's not like it was a tragic death. The man, anyone that gets to live until they're 82, that's an amazing, that's an amazing life. Uh, sad that he died uh, because of, uh, I think it was dementia that he had. Uh, but it's, um, but it's not like a tragedy. He didn't die really young, but it's still sad because the reason it's sad for me is because I feel like. In the last 10 years, we didn't celebrate Gene Wilder enough. And it's not until someone like him passes away, someone that we've kind of not forgotten about, but we certainly don't think about all the time. It's not until they go that we all then start going, oh, he's amazing. He's great. And I just hope that Gene knew how much everyone loved him. It filled my heart with so much warmth when I saw just how much people loved him on the internet uh, all the celebrities, all the comedians, writers, directors, how much people were inspired by him, uh, influenced by him, just loved him. And I just hope he knew that before he went. I remember feeling the same way about Rick Mayer when he passed away. He, you know, he hadn't really been doing as much stuff in his, you know, last few years, maybe a decade, and partly due to the accident he had. And when he passed away, it was like everyone in the UK, everyone was talking about just what a huge influence he was, what an amazing performer he was, how he was the number... He was the the man in the 80s. He was the comedy man. And I just kind of hope that Rick knew when he passed away that, that he meant that much to people. 
because we don't say it all the time. If there's no reason to, if someone's, if you don't know if someone's ill, or you just, you just don't say it. You know, I could get really sappy and start saying, "Hey, we need to tell each other we love each other all the time." Um, but uh, I do hope Jean knew that. And um, and the other weird thing is, I I was reminded of the fact that I uh, a couple of years ago I was asked by the comedy website Chortle to pick a playlist they called it a comedy playlist uh, and it was just of all the people that have influenced me and all, all the comedians and comedies that that I love uh, and weirdly uh, there was uh, <laughs> it was the, I think the, I picked like seven so you, if you just google Chortle Dan Clark playlist comedy playlist or something you'll see it yourself there's some some stuff i talked about but i think like the first three are rick mail uh gary shandling specifically the larry sanders show and gene wilder they're like three of my heroes and they've all since they've all passed away and anyone else that's on that list i just want to say please be safe please Make sure you look in the sky that there aren't any pianos that removal men are dangling and, you know, just make sure they're not going to fall on you. Just live healthy and well because at the moment my list is um, is slowly dwindling away. Uh, now, to kickstart the show, I would like to play a song sung by Mr. Wilder himself. Um, this isn't what you're expecting. Normally people would probably play a song from uh from Willy Wonka cuz that's where he's most famously uh sung before and that is a film I love dearly and I love the songs in that film but uh I was rewatching Stir Crazy Stir Crazy the other day uh it's not one of the films people would say is an absolute classic but having rewatched a lot of his films I think it still holds up as certainly one of the funniest um and it's not a perfect film but for me, it's definitely one of... I, I'd actually put it in one of my top... If someone asked me to do a top 10 comedy films of all time, I think I might put it in there because it just has so many funny moments. Anyway, so this uh, is from the opening credits of Stir Crazy. He sings the song. Uh, this is called Crazy, I think. So here I am with Mr. Richard Fulcher. Um, comedian extraordinaire. I'm actually. This is a first. Say some more. <laughs> I will have. I, I've done the intro before we've spoken. Oh, you was, have. Yeah, it was really good. It I, was awesome. Oh my god! It went. It was a 17-minute intro just about your career <laughs> and and all your all your different titles. So the interview's over now. Yeah. yeah so okay. Thanks very much. Thanks, <laughs> thanks for having me. God, that was good. You were worried about doing this, and it now it's so quick and actually, easy. Uh, yeah. Uh, so this is a first for this show. Um, we're doing an outdoor interview in Los Angeles, um, a bit like uh, Shakespeare in the Park, I guess. Yeah. Only it's a car park, but it's um, fun. It's all fun. It is fun. So you miss living? You see, so you live here now, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, I, I I moved out here around 2013. Yeah. But I like to say I'm based out here. I don't. You know, I move around. Yeah. So I moved out here, but I still work in the UK. 
And I could go back there any minute if I get in trouble here, you know, with my... With the IRS. Yeah, my offshore accounts and everything. Yeah, yeah. But uh, Are you saying this just in case any um, producers in the UK are listening? I'm still available I'm for still working. available. <laughs> Hello. Actually, you are still available because you've done quite a few things over the last year in the yeah. UK, right? That's the irony. The minute you leave one place, yeah. that's when you get work in that place. It's like a relationship, isn't it? What? You know, when they leave. Then you, they want you back. Yeah. It's crazy. Uh, so, uh, what's uh, made you... Who move? wants me back? What? <laughs> <laughs> Tell uh, me. Please uh, tweet in if you want Rich back. <laughs> Let's start a hashtag Rich Must Come Back campaign. Well, you were going to ask if I miss London. Yeah, well, yes, I did ask, I, do. I, think. I think I asked it. Oh, I do. Yeah. I, I miss the part of it that you can walk out of your flat or your house... Or your bungalow. Mm -hmm. There's a a lot of bungalows in London. And there's people around. You know, you can meet up with people. Whereas here, it's like more of a... Let's uh, Wednesday the 16th at 3.45. Between... There's always windows, aren't there? Yeah. Wait, it's 3.50. Our window was 3.45, so I'll see you later. Uh, So what brought you here to to come here sort of semi-permanently? We won't oh, say really? No, what, what, why, I, um, how come? Because mm, you were London-based uh, for like ooh. 10 years or something? Yeah. Um, yeah, about 10 years. Well, I had always come back and forth, and I just thought, we'll give it a shot. Yeah. And there's a lot of different places to pitch things out here. Mm-hmm. I'm an idea man, Dan. I know I've got ideas I, coming out the wazoo. I didn't. We're just sitting here in a, outside a little coffee shop, and you've got a whiteboard. Uh, and you're pointing at ideas. Sitcom in a car park. <laughs> yeah, always. You're just on, <laughs> aren't you? Um, just, uh, just before we sort of talk about you, have you ever been serious about yourself in public mm-hmm. for more than, say, five minutes? No! <laughs> oh, no. Is um, it serious? Before we talk about you, uh, I, I did a little intro to this podcast about Gene Wilder because he obviously he passed away recently. Was how was he an influence on you at all? Yeah, I mean, I loved all the Mel Brooks stuff, yeah. and I actually saw him live in London. He was doing this uh, laughter on the twenty third floor, right? The Neil Simon, yeah, band. and he yeah. was amazing. Was he? He's like a larger than life guy. He's because um, uh, I thought of you because uh, I've been thinking a lot about Gene Wilder. He was a huge, huge influence. What are on you? Me. Uh, what are you like dead people? <laughs> Are you one of those guys? Yeah. I mean, I wasn't that into him before, but right, now right. I'm like... I'm, uh, and he... Uh, I thought Rich must have liked Gene Wilder because yeah. he has that mania and you're... I think a lot of people would associate some of that like high-energy performance with you as yeah, well. Yeah, I like to think that... Um, like, I do relate to that because he's like pent up and yeah. he's ready to explode any, any minute. Yeah. Just like now! <laughs> <laughs> That's me. And yet he had... Something so, and yet he was better than you. <laughs> he was better than you in so many ways. Uh, uh, you're know. foolish to think that you. Yeah, and yeah. I, I shouldn't ways. have even yeah. done that comparison. I did it actually. I led you into a uh, full sense of security there. Uh, he he meant a lot to me uh, when I was a kid, and then he was sort of the gift that kept on giving because as a kid I loved Willy Wonka and. I weirdly loved Stir Crazy as a child. Right, right. Even though s- some of the slightly naughtier stuff went over my head. Some of the Richard Pryor stuff. I, yeah. yeah. Uh, what, his relationship with him? No, no. Uh, I mean, 
I liked some of those movies earlier, but now when you look at them, they're, yeah. What, questionable? <laughs> Slightly <laughs> questionable. Well, I rewatched Stir Crazy Ooh. the other night, and I, I, I stand by this. I think it's a, a, a brilliant comedy. That's right. We bad. Yeah. Oh, shit. But, um, what was I going to say? He made me lose my train of thought. He, um, oh, yeah. So, Car Park. So, you, he was brilliant when I was a kid and then as a teenager when I discovered comedy on a different level the same stuff he did worked but on a new level as a teen when I was a teenager Do you know well what I mean? that happens quite a bit yeah like not all people have that appeal oh really I don't think so to all ages yeah maybe they do but he had a very special thing uh, the writings of Proust were like that for me <laughs> When I first read them when I was four or five, they yeah. just sort of washed over me. Now, but you joke <laughs> about this, right? But this is a very tenuous segue into... I was doing a little bit of... I, was, I thought, look, I know Rich. I know oh, him no. Well. I've known him for years. But I should probably just look up and see, you know... Um, the first thing I read is that you went to university, you studied law. Now... Yes, I did. I had no idea you were clever. <laughs> I'm not. You don't have to be clever to study law, do you? Are you? Well, you can't be... I mean, you need to read for a start, right? Yeah. Uh, but this is so funny because all my life, even though I loved comedy and everything, I mean, I would watch, you know, Monty Python all the time. I memorized it all. And I, uh, I always thought I was going to be a lawyer. You know, like, this is all frivolous comedy okay. stuff. Well, I was going to ask that. Why do some people uh, who go to, like, you get it a lot with the Oxbridge crowd. They go to Oxford or Cambridge. They study some, like, science or history. And then they get drunk. And then they become comedians. And you're like, was that not just a waste of everybody's time? Well, you I going and studying. Some of it's parental pressure. Like, yeah. uh, my dad always thought if you get a Bachelor of Science degree, that's always much better than a Bachelor of Arts. Yeah. Or artsy-fartsy, as he might call it. I mean, he, he may well have a point, you know. So, yeah. So, but law was kind of an in-between thing. Like, it's a legitimate profession. And it took me a while to get over the fact, like... When I first went to law school, I realized right away that I hated it. I mean, it was I mean, nothing how, like... How you like weren't, like, a couple of weeks. Really? Yeah. This is all... I have to read stuff, oh, and it's all about cases, and it's just really fucking boring. <laughs> I mean, you, you think, think you, it was going to well, be? It's like, you know... Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, this I mean, you can do that kind of law, but yeah. most of the time, it's not in front of a jury. Yeah, yeah. It's more like just the same thing over and over again. And I, here's the thing, I wanted to do entertainment law, but then I started realizing it, like, why do entertainment law, why not just do the entertainment? Ah, okay. Epiphany. Yeah. Yeah. No, at what age? And then I you... shit myself. <laughs> and people were like, this guy's funny. I love this guy. <laughs> Do that again. That reminds me of Wilder. <laughs> what uh, age were you when you thought you wanted to be in law? Like, what? how... Like, um, there were some professions where I think, as, as a kid, why would you think, yeah, I really want to... Because I love to argue stuff. So I would always watch shows you, that, yeah, yeah. Really? So maybe around 12 or so, I thought, oh, okay. I wanted to be a brain surgeon for a while. 
just because I heard they made a lot of money and they got to cut open brains and stuff. At the age of like 12, you thought this stuff. Yeah, I, I pretty much thought, I'm going to be a lawyer. This is amazing because I wouldn't even know, I don't think I knew what law was at the age of 12. Well, see, I didn't either. Right. I didn't when I was in law school. <laughs> It was so weird. But then I I'd stupidly... Well, it's not stupidly. I stayed in law school and graduated. Yeah. It's three years. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's like, a, it's, you know, that's that you, it costs people money to go to university. Right, right. Uh, it's three years of your life. So people that... All right. <laughs> Jeez. But people that come out and go, no, but I want to be a comedian. You kind of think that's... it's. It's such a weird... But here's the reason it was slightly ballsy, is that <laughs> um, some people uh, go into a law firm or something, and they go, I'm just going to do it for two years to pay off my loans and stuff. Mm -hmm. But I didn't want any of that, because once you get in into it, yeah. you're going to want to stay longer, because yeah, yeah. it's even harder to break away. Yeah. What's the, the godfather quote they I tried getting out but they pulled me pull back me in. back in yeah yeah exactly because then it's a bigger deal like oh you're on the partnership track you can make partner in four years and yeah so I just decided the minute I graduated I'd signed up for classes like improv classes okay so at what point during your law degree did you uh, did you realize you like comedy and want to perform it I did the this is so cliche I did the school talent show love it and then by the third year do? I was in charge of the whole thing so instead of like Saturday Night Live because it was on a Thursday I called it Thursday Night Live okay good spin yes I like it I like it using a familiar brand but yes. creating your own thing with it I like See? it yeah. yeah a lot of parody a lot of funny sketches <laughs> there was one called Lawman instead of Rain Man oh man you, you should pull this out again I think that could work oh, there's a sitcom in that I love it <laughs> Keep, I'm going to put this on the whiteboard. Yeah. Give me a few minutes. Okay. Uh, um, what, so um, you did, you, uh, you performed whilst you're... Uh, well, my girlfriend at the time said, do you know there's this place in Chicago called Second City and all these people like Bill Murray and John Candy, mm -hmm. John Belushi, they went to it. And I started looking it up. I go, this is really cool. By the way, but, how did you look things up back then before the internet? Um, I just went to the library and they had information about second city in the no, but library. she um she also gave me some stuff because i think she had been in chicago or something okay. and uh what year are we talking here we're talking uh 90s early early 90s okay yeah so she basically uh, she didn't convince me but i thought this is what i i need to do something and i need to do something tangible that's <laughs> not say, i need to do something now no <laughs> Uh, so I just I just decided I signed up for the classes my last year for for the summer following graduation. And where were you at um, university? Oh, is it at Washington and Lee? It's like a little school in Virginia. Okay, and I'll uh, cut that out. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. We don't know that's boring. <laughs> no, that's uh, was it an Ivy League school? No, no, you weren't that you weren't that clever. I went to an Ivy League undergrad, but okay. yeah. Um, so you let's not talk about that. Were you were you were you uh, far from Chicago? Was that like a big thing to happen? Yeah, do? it was like um, you know. I think 
Everybody thought I was going to stay kind of close to home and, you know, work in a law firm. But I said, I'm going to Chicago. To, to make stuff up in front of people? No, I actually told my parents I was going to practice law in Chicago. No way. Yeah. What, and how long did you keep that? <laughs> five up? years, five years. Really? Yeah. I actually wrote a show about it. It's called Mom, I'm Not a Lawyer. No way. Yeah, I had a, like a friend that would answer calls for me. So they, she would pretend she was at the law firm and then call me. And of course, back then, it would have been so much easier to keep a lie like that going. Yeah. Because, you know, your mum didn't just have to go on your Facebook page and see pictures of you no. in a black box theatre <laughs> doing improv. Nude. Yeah. <laughs> wow, how did she take it when you finally... Well, it was more... Uh, uh, I sort of gradually got her uh, groomed. Okay. Gr- <laughs> right? Okay, where's this going? No, well, what I was... Uh, I just, you know, casually got in some things about showbiz and, you know, c- caught her, you know, temperature on the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And then she basically said, um, oh, I knew it all along. Like <laughs> like you'd just come out of the closet. Yeah. <laughs> no, seriously, I was I, I was you thinking- were an improviser since you were 12. I think I was going to say I was gay yeah. and then throw this out afterwards, yeah, but, yeah. you know, yeah. But it all worked out. Um, You're fine with that. So you actually went to Second City? Yeah. Um, which is pretty cool. It's cool. Yeah. There's also a lot of other places there, and like in Chicago, they have so many improv is schools. That? What is Chicago? What is the connection between improv Second and... City. So it began there, and everyone there's, else was yeah. like, we want a piece of that. Well, there are other schools of thought. It's like religions. Like, there's Improv Olympic, which uses this um, thing called the Herald, and there was the Annoyance Theater. And it's just like all these different yeah. kind of, like, acting schools in New York or London. There's it's different, tra- like, method acting, mm-hmm. and, you know. It's a, I find it... Uh, even as a com- comedian that's done comedy for years, I, I didn't quite realise the the art of improv in America until I came to LA a few years ago. And my girlfriend at the time, uh, at the time, my girlfriend now. <laughs> she, <laughs> Backtrack. I mean, I mean, my girlfriend. Who's this me, woman? Who's this woman know, next to you? She said to me at the time when we were here. Uh, she said. Uh, we should go and see Groundlings. And I was like, oh, yeah, that, that's the improv. I know about that. But, you know, I'm not really into improv. Because mm. back home, why is it it's back games. in London? It's all about it's all games, games, isn't yeah. it? And it's, a, it's just, we, we haven't got that um, training ground. It, and I went to see Groundlings, and it was honestly the funniest live comedy show I'd seen in years. Like, I, I was blown away. Very by funny. Really funny. But also, you're sitting there going, how are they, how are they getting to funny bits so quickly it's uh, scripted <laughs> all of it yeah all improv is scripted in America yeah no, but I re- with I, the 12 writers I've realized that improv is a lot like religion mm-hmm. like it, it has to get to a shore and it's like missionaries have to spread the word yeah like in Australia they only know about Keith Johnston in Canada and all of that it, theater games and theater okay. sports yeah. Whereas in Chicago, they're just start like UCB is an offshoot of the Chicago right. Improv, and so they're did everywhere. They go to now. New York first. Yes, they went to New York mm-hmm. first, and and did you do LA. UCB? I did. I did. I knew those guys, and I performed there, but I wasn't like I didn't start out with them. Yeah, yeah. Do you do you like doing improv? I do. I don't do that much of it now. Yeah. I do like to do it in. You know, uh, filming mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah, yeah. If they let me, sometimes they don't let me. Yeah. 
Well, I would say there's a certain show where they definitely let you. Yeah, they would yeah. just keep it running sometimes. Yeah. But then there were other times, you know, when they have to go to the next scene, they go, Rich, I'm sorry, we just got to have you do the yeah. script. If you could so just say, this way, please. But then I do the improv anyway. Yeah, because you're a selfish performer. Yes. <laughs> but that's the other thing about improv over here. Not to say it's selfish in the UK, but... Um, Compared to, like, say, comedy, uh, the comedy scene in the UK is there's, I don't know, maybe I'm being a bit unfair with this, but it feels right, like... you are. Yeah, improv teaches you to be generous. Yes, and. Exactly. You know, it's about getting to the place. It's not about who's the funniest or... I mean, it's maybe. almost a hippie sort of thing. Do you think? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Because it, originally it was based on, you know, what children do. Because yeah. they go, hey, we're all pirates. Then everybody's a pirate. Yeah, yeah. So you do that. You don't go, I'm, not, I'm an astronaut. I'm not a pirate. Yeah. Whereas back, uh, my experience <laughs> of live comedy is that if you're, you do stuff on your own or as a pair or maybe a group, you're still just you guys and you might do 10 minutes on a bill. and you, So you're always trying to be the best that you can be. But whereas the improv, you can see people... It's like a team sport, isn't it? Yeah, like, but it, which is why, in a way, I when I went to the UK, I was kind of glad that it wasn't like... Even though we came over doing improv, I was kind of glad to see that sort of different type of comedy. And, yeah. Did, did you notice a big... What, so what year? Wait, what year did you come... Well, I started doing uh, Edinburgh. 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 <laughs> you, have to, you have to say, you have to it say with the... Uh, uh, yeah, with in the about mid-90s. Yeah. And then we got, yeah. What, what was the show called again? It was the science uh, show. Modern Problems in Science. Modern Problems in Science. Now, I first ever did Edinburgh with my... Uh, I was at a college for one year before I Oh, no. Left. And uh, we took a play up, the Thrupney Opera. And I remember the modern problems in science. What, really? Yeah, because it was... Uh, I, I remember was... you in Three Penny Opera. <laughs> Which penny were you? I was the second one. Okay, yeah. all right. Um, you had the glasses. Yeah, right. No, I didn't wear glasses back then. But, um, mm, yeah, but I remember it. it was a show because it had a bit... You had a little bit of... Uh, problems. Co- yeah, some problems. <laughs> no, you had coverage, didn't you? What do you mean? There was a, you know... There was a little buzz, right? there was a buzz. Well, it was... I think it's a show that translated easily. Like, we improvised a university lecture, so we'd get a hypothesis from the audience, like, Czechoslovakia can be mailed, and then we'd have to prove it, (laughs) and they would give us professorships in different topics. Like, you're... I'm a professor of what? And they go, robotics. So we teach about an hour... Of this class. Completely improvised. Yeah, and try to prove the theory. Sometimes we would, but sometimes we'd be way off base. But it w- it's more about the process and everything. That's That sounds like quite a um, complicated... Like, we, we, Did you ever get thrown a, um, a theory that you had to do? And in your head you're going, uh, I have no what idea happened? what I'm... <laughs> the first time we <laughs> were on a the, big stage, right. I think we got some Enid Blyton question, and I didn't really know. Yeah. Who that was? Yeah, yeah. So we we learned after that, like, because in Just America, say, I'm sorry, we don't. Yeah, 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 no, no. Could we get another suggestion? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. the Enid Blyton one. Yeah. Um, but in the in the U.S., they pride themselves on like taking the the very first suggestion. Mm-hmm. You know, gynecologist. 
yeah. is usually that. That's, that's, that's a popular <laughs> one, isn't it? Uh, so you were doing the uh, Edinburgh Festival. You did it a couple of times in the mid-90s, yeah? Yeah, well, yeah. I did it. Uh, I've done it like nine times. So we did it as Modern Problems three times in a row. Okay. And then we split up. Uh, Which there was like helplines to for recovering It was fans. pretty bad. Yeah. A lot of people, you know, a lot of people turned to heroin. <laughs> <laughs> so, at what point did you meet Noel and Julian? In uh, it was the last year we did Modern Problems, and I was sort of at a loss for what to do and I had we had a manager so I said do you want to represent me like solo mm -hmm. and so she said yeah and I was just sort of over there just hanging out for a little bit and the, and they said um, there's a sketch show coming up do you want to go in and interview and so I, I just sort of talked myself into it what was the sketch show? it's called Unnatural Acts oh, of course yeah and I met Julian from that and yeah. Julian pulled in Noel and I pulled in uh, Sean Cullen and and oh Sean Cullen mate what's, what's Sean doing these days uh, he's a fireman yeah did you know that no, no, he, he's <laughs> huge in Canada. He comes out here every once in a while, and he's um, he's, I wish he, he's I writing that had been true. children's that would have books. Been such an amazing. <laughs> uh, Sean Cullen, Cullen, for anyone that listens to this who doesn't know who he is, because he hasn't really done stuff in the UK for a long time. Yeah, he's he amazing. Genuinely, one of the funniest performers I've ever seen. I mean, the the show. Wood, Cheese and Children. Yeah. Did you see that show? Yeah, of course. Oh, my God. Yeah, Jesus. And and again, improvisation, but with music and and surreal and weird, and people that are fans of like your work would definitely love. So we all gravitated towards each other. There were other people in the cast, yeah. but we were kind of like, let's do a show together. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Julian and Noel were way into this uh, animal thing. Mm-hmm. God knows what this animal thing was. No, um, <laughs> about a zoo, and we just started talking about doing it. And Sean couldn't do it that year because I think he had wood cheese and children. Okay, yeah, yeah. It's the same year as the first boot. It was '98. Was yeah. the first boot show. So that was the first time I I was aware of you. I came to see that show, and I remember you did. It. Yeah, and uh, you was, cried, didn't you? I cried. Yeah, I remember that show. <laughs> the guy cried all th from uh, literally the second the show started all the way through it is pretty uh, tear inducing yeah. Yeah. tear inducing um, I saw you in that and then also you and Sean did some stuff in a show that I was also in that Gary Reish uh, produced called Stop the World oh yeah remember. yeah we were two women yeah and yeah. I was like I like this guy don't want to meet him <laughs> and I avoided you for about five years you did it? yeah it oh. until like I don't know when it was, it was when did we meet I, I want to say that's it we were in a knife fight together that's weren't right we? that's right um, what year was that knife fight it must have been late it was um, 2000 2001 yeah early 2000s yeah I reckon so then the Boosh, obviously, it took a while for that to go from a stage show to a TV show. Yes, because then it went to radio in 2000. There were three yeah. stage shows, and, and then in and 2000... Wasn't it on something like BBC London or something? Uh, yeah, something like that. Yeah. And then it moved to BBC Two? Radio? Uh, radio, radio 2? Yeah, maybe. 
And then uh, after that, it was like, I guess people could see that it was actually a show. It could be a half-hour show yeah. instead of this loose stage show. Mm -hmm. So I guess that's what got the commission Did for you us. Think I don't know. At some point, I remember bumping, in, bumping into uh, Julian before... Probably like in 2002 or something. And he swiped at you like a bear. Yeah, and um, we had a we had a uh, a knife fight on the tube. Um, <laughs> a lot of knife fights. A lot of knife fights back in the early noughties. Oh it's boy! It's a bit like um, you know the the Warriors, the film The Warriors. Those they, haven't, they didn't have knife fights. Warriors. Um, but he, I remember him feeling like you know he just didn't know whether the show would ever get to TV. He was frustrated, and then you know up to a couple of years later and you guys you're the hottest thing yeah, in the UK right now well we had uh, tried uh, for years and, and everybody was kind of like yeah we love the show but we just can't see it on the TV screen but did you find because you weren't like the main two was were you able to like sort of come over and do like say come on guys what are we doing or did you just have to sit and wait and well it was a little bit of both sometimes I would say yes this should be a show let's do a show and then they then I would leave and then you know nothing they, would no no I, <laughs> those like, guys were always guy? trying and um, you know and then you know they said you know <laughs> we were doing a radio show, which Danny Wallace produced, by yeah, the way. I remember, yeah, wow. So I came over to do that, and then it just sort of all clicked. Yeah. Just, and then when the show finally went out, it took a couple of years for everyone at the BBC and in the industry to realize it was a ginormous hit. Well, we didn't really know when yeah. we were doing it until we did our first show, like at York. It was tour, just right? like, yeah. A, yeah, when we started the tour and we thought, well, we've done this on TV. We don't really know how popular it's going to be. Which is, because this is, again... Um, audience. Again, audience. This is pre-Facebook social media, right? So there was no... Pre-MySpace. Pre-My... This was pre-Friends Reunited. We had an abacus on <laughs> the bus. But there wasn't like a, a way of finding out whether there was like, you, you didn't have a fan page or a, or like people chatting about it online. So they, you really just didn't know if it was popular or not. No. And I remember coming to like one of the shows on that first tour and just could not believe the obsessive fandom that was going on. It was on. a lot of fandom and a lot yeah. of people dressed up and yeah. we looked behind stage. I remember that night because it was like just crazy. And then you had to we extend like, the dates and do more dates and bigger we, rooms. We started out in like a splitter van. Yeah. All five of us, yeah. you know, Dave Brown and Mike Fielding and uh, and um, then we go Nolan, Nolan Julian said we're getting a tour bus and we were all like Yay. <laughs> and then before you know it, there's no turning back. Yeah. The rock and roll began. And then I had my overdose. Yeah. Which um, kind of went a bit under the radar, didn't it? Yeah. I did a few shows in a coma. Yeah. Yeah. Which I have to say, the fact that it really, you couldn't notice. I it's, don't know if that says It's a testament how, yeah, to me. It's, it's kind of what a professional you are, <laughs> you know, that you can be pretty much dead. And no one noticed. But I think you could safely say we were all a bit surprised. 
Yeah. I think, too, like, I would tell Julian and Noel when we came out to the U.S., like, there are a lot of fans out here, and they would go, no, there, there's going to be five people. And, and it was just huge. Yeah, huge. I think they've always... Huge. Huge. Is that your Donald Trump? Impression? Yeah, yeah. That's good. Uh, I, uh... I think even going back to the first show they did in Edinburgh, which is in a, like a hundred-seater or something, that you could just tell that they have this thing that makes people obsessive about them. Yeah. You know, they capture people. That, I'm uh, obsessed with them. <laughs> I'm not surprised they've uh, <laughs> supplied you with a large part of your career. Um, how does that feel like when you do, when you're... When you when you owe like, people so much, <laughs> when you owe someone everything, <laughs> what does that feel like? No, because you uh, going back to the improv thing, you supply so much. You know, you're def- you come on and you create your own little piece of that show, and it's so. And knowing you, I know how much that is you. But there must also, in a way, it's a dream job because you don't have to do the heavy lifting. Well, of course, anything where you're kind of a character and you go in and do your bit and get a laugh and then you go out, of course, that's the dream thing. But, I mean, I just loved every minute of it. I mean, the process is what I like, too. When we created that first series and it was just uh, us in a room. I mean, I miss that more than a lot of things because as the show got bigger... We'd have less time to kind of work on the show. Mm-hmm. It more like Julian and Noel would write it, and and then it would be like, I think by the third series they were actually working on one of the episodes while we were That's filming. Right. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, we didn't have as much time to just you know. So in the early days, you were very much around. in in part of the early uh, creative. Process. Yeah, because we were just trying to figure out what it was, yeah. and and it was, I just. Um, found myself just getting I could do this like for 40 years <laughs> <laughs> wow I'd love to see you as an 80 year old uh, Bob Bottle <laughs> actually that kind of makes sense and then how old would that make uh, Chester what was his name Chester Pop- oh uh, Lester, Lester. Corn Crank would be uh, 180 be like <laughs> yeah <laughs> I think he was my favourite of your characters Lester Corn Crank <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was wonderful. Um, so uh, then, after Mighty Boosh, was there a, a, a strange transition going into? Because you did uh, Tiny Acts of Rebellion, which was very popular. The book. Oh, I just time. decided I'd write a book. I don't know if that was a good idea or not. But did you enjoy doing that? Uh, yes. As someone that's, you know, most of his um, adult life, adult life is just pissed around for a living. No, someone like, you know, you did improv and you're very much a performer to sit right, right. and write at a laptop but every day. Uh, you know what? I couldn't have done it without deadlines. They go, you got to finish this many pages by this date. Yeah. If they didn't have that, I wouldn't be done. I'd still not be done. <laughs> I'd be... Uh, Do you, did you not find it daunting sleep? Where you were just like, I just don't know if I can do this. Maybe um, I need to... No, but uh, I, yes, I did a little bit because, uh, you know, you think about it, it's like, yeah, writing a book. You've written a book. I've never written a book. No, I've You will I've, write one tonight in your bed. It's the <laughs> hypnosis you're doing yeah. on me. I, 
Uh, what, is, what if I did? What if tomorrow? I could, uh, Rich, I wrote a book last yeah, night. Yeah, then I know. Yeah, I know my powers. Um, I I just find a book like you write a script and then you have to go like if it's a half hour sitcom you go back and rewrite thirty pages. The thought of going back and rewriting three hundred pages of dense description. Yeah. Well, luckily I would write them and then g- move on and then they would give me notes and I'd rewrite. Yeah. So yeah. It, you know. The, um, the editor sto- um, it must took, be so important in that. Yeah, case. it took about four months okay. of intense writing. Yeah. Yeah. Were you sweating at times? Yeah. How? But I mean, I like it when I, I just have one thing to work on, 12 words a second. <laughs> okay. Um, but it, I like it when I've got a one project thing. We talked about this. Yeah. And then you just focus on that and Rather then it's than done. All the yeah, and I get, I get distracted very easily. Yeah. yeah. By shiny cups and things. Uh, does that mean that uh, here you get distracted less because you can't just walk out the house and bump into loads of people you know? Um, or a little bit, a little bit of a, socially, I, I don't get distracted, but I find ways to get distracted. Cool. Like, oh, yeah, that look. becomes a skill of a writer all on its own. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, look, a bug crawling <laughs> up the wall. I'm going to follow that for a couple of days. <laughs> uh, like I'm, I'm the type of person that has to have an assignment or work. Mm-hmm. If it's left up to me, uh, it's hard. It's hard. I've always got it's the impre- hard. I've always got the impression that it's hard for you. I've always got the impression <laughs> that um, that you don't care the about the scenario you're in. You just love to perform. And what I mean by that is you're not you're not concerned about like whether I'll play Hitler. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I don't know if I'd play Hitler, would I? No, I don't mean characters and things. I oh, mean like oh, you right. don't care if it's if you're playing to four people or four thousand people or if you're in a show that's gonna be huge or a show that's no one's gonna you just love doing Yes. And I, I also get nervous the same kind of level. Do you? Yeah, because those four people could be the mafia. I mean, I, I don't know who the... I, oh. I just feel nervous that, when that I go really out. That is a pre-stage uh, <laughs> paranoia on a new level. What if there's is the a mafia, mafia out there? <laughs> <laughs> Any mafia? Oh, God. No, but... Um, I, Are I, there yeah. really extreme terrorists in tonight? <laughs> <laughs> Plus, it also depends if you're on your own versus in a yeah. cast. Well, I did, so after my sitcom, uh, directly after the show, or after the third season... Name drop. I am... Um, yeah, name drop. I, I used to have a show, guys. Was this in Rome? This was in Rome, <laughs> eating al fresco. Uh, I uh, I played to like for the first time in my career, big crowds and big theatres. And then two years later, I did uh, a, a tour, and it was like half the size because people have short memories, right? And Dan, Dan Claire, how not to live your <laughs> what? And um, it's it takes a bit of adjusting to. But actually, weirdly, I sort of enjoyed the smaller theatres more than the big ones. But that's something that I've, I've always thought when I've watched you perform, you never, seemingly, maybe I'm wrong, you never seem to be affected by any of that exterior oh, kind of stuff. well, yeah. thank you. Yeah. You, but the, the thing is, too, when a show gets popular, you can sort of ride a crest of a wave. Yeah. For laughs, like you'd say something that's in the show and get a laugh. Whereas if it's a smaller audience, and especially if they don't know you, it's like the laughs have to be earned. Oh my god! So that's how. That's why I get nervous. Like I get, I got more nervous when I was doing gigs in like York and Hull, like Mm -hmm. as a stand-up, because it's like 
some of these people don't know who I am and you yeah. know you actually have to be it's like the comedian you know the Jerry Seinfeld uh, documentary and he they'll give you five minutes based on who you are yeah which is, is true but he there's he was brave enough to let them show a, a, a clip where he was sort of dying I mean I say dying. he was the bravest man ever <laughs> I would have to say really yeah to, to let people see that or <laughs> um but he's sort of right, and in a way, it's worse when they do know you and you die, because yeah. then you know they're going to be talking about oh, it. Oh, jeez, I thought that guy was yeah. good. I mean, uh, like, he's worth half a billion. He, he should be funny. He's ranting that. about the mafia. What's that all about? <laughs> Just sort of dribble. Uh, I love the live show of uh, Tiny Axe Rebellion. I thought that was... I heard. I, I actually heard you laughing in the audience. Yeah, I thought that was that was one of um, my favorite things of yours. Well, because it was kind of like uh, I was a person. Yeah, I think it was different <laughs> to what I got to know. For you, right. There was some kind of uh, linear, like there was a, a character that we saw all the way through, rather than the right, right. randomness of previous stuff. But but it still had your like complete insane. Sort of humor in it, and uh, of course, Arnab was in it, so and that Arnab was Chanda. hilarious. Very, very fun. How sad is it that Arnab Chanda does not do stand up comedy or live comedy? I think he gets it from all angles, right? You've yeah. got to do stand up, he Which will really, eventually. Knowing, knowing him uh, well, I think is makes him want to do it less, yeah. not more. Yeah, do you know what I mean? I think eventually he will do it, yeah. Let's hope so. Let's start. Hashtag on our back on stage. <laughs> but he'll be like in the Yukon Territory or something <laughs> and do it. Um, and then in between uh, your solo live stuff and book... And yeah, I book, masturbate. You, <laughs> you, um, you did the even more cult, let's say, uh, TV show Snuffbox uh, with Matt Berry. Now that hyper cult. Hyper cult. Uh, uber cult. Uh, that should be said in a Dutch accent, I think. Überkult. <laughs> Is that Dutch or German? Um, the uh, the Überkult snuffbox, how did that come about? Because I always thought of you and Matt as an odd pairing, both socially and... On <laughs> really? Screen. Yeah, a little bit. Well, we kind of met, we met on the set of Mighty Boosh. Yeah. Because we were in, paired together. He was in the first series. Yes, yeah. as, as my boss, yeah. Dixon Bainbridge. And we just sort of hung out. We started talking. And then so a producer suggested, like, well, you guys should do something together. Yeah. And initially we were pitching, like, real stuff. I think we had one thing, idea about ghost hunters and... Like you know, narrative stuff. Yeah, narrative yeah. stuff. And then all of a sudden they go, I think it's because... Little Britain went up to BBC One. They were right. going, uh, BBC Three is looking for a sketch show. Do you guys want to do a sketch show? Basically, you have to do a sketch show. So <laughs> do we a were sketch like, show now. We didn't want to necessarily do one. Yeah. We were kind of like, that's... It really of, shows, by the yeah, way. Yeah, no, but what we did was we did it the way we wanted to do it. Yeah. So it yeah. was kind of melding a bunch of different things. So you had your characters that you played sort of throughout the show in the that it was in like a gentleman's club or something yeah it? yeah yeah so that kind of gave it a bit of a uh, a grounding yeah and yeah then, but I, I know so many people that love snuff but it was one of those shows where you really are like oh, why didn't that 
get more of a chance? Uh, because two people watched it. Yeah, and <laughs> me and this other guy I know. Yeah. And we constantly talk about why. Didn't oh I my gosh, I, I almost get mad because people go, "That's my favorite show." It's like, well, funnily enough, I was listening to <laughs> a um, I was listening to a pod, a Mark Maron podcast, and he interviewed a, a, one of my favorite singer songwriters, uh, Joseph Arthur. And he's a guy that's never been like a mainstream kind of star. And he was saying the same thing that people come up to him all the time and say, you should be bigger, man. And he <laughs> said, shut up. Yeah. And he said it's taken him quite a few years to come to terms rather than get annoyed and angry with that. You comment. should be the hugest thing in the yeah. world, man. Because really what that comment means is I like what you do. Right. But why do we have to then equate that into the success of it? And Yeah. Because Who's huge now, anyway? Because we all want to be. But you did, didn't you take Snuffbox to Comic Con? Uh, we. What did we do? Sure. No, we took the Boosh to Comic Con. Did you? Yeah. I was sure I saw us. Matt went down there one time. Okay. I think it Solo. had a bigger audience than you. I, I always feel like the the channels back home in the, in the UK are a little bit. Don't always. Maybe it happens here as well. They never re-aired it on BBC Three. But I, I sometimes think that unless it's winning awards or getting ridiculously big uh, viewing figures, people... It's done. It's done. It evaporates. But also... The, I the, hate that. The fact that the Boosh did two seasons before everyone realised just how big it well, is. Well, yeah, and The Office was about to get canned. Yeah. Um, well, listen, anyway, look. Uh, we always get our guests to pick uh, Guilty Pleasure film or a TV show that they either think is terrible but they love it anyway or they think is underrated this was difficult why because I, there's so many uh, there's a lot of comedy shows that I watch again and again mm -hmm. that have loads of catchphrases because mm -hmm. that way you and your friends can say the cat like Caddyshack mm -hmm. Raising Arizona but this one is actually not a comedy and I love to watch it every time it's on I don't know why uh, I'm just drawn to it like a bug to wax <laughs> what is the film? Wall Street <laughs> What I'm, I'm it's surprised so quotable. You think it's a that you would consider it a, maybe a guilty pleasure? Why? Well, isn't it considered a good film? Can I get another one? Then? <laughs> no, <laughs> no it's, it's it's um. I'm a some big fan. people hate it. Though. Do they? Yeah, I've watched. It's been polarizing for me. Yeah. To see people disgusted by it. Yeah. <laughs> I I love the film. I think I'm a huge Michael Douglas fan. Yeah, I think yeah. He's amazing. Yeah. Right? Uh, and this is his ultimate film. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's amazing yeah. in it. Um, what do you, what, how, what, how do you feel about watching Charlie Sheen back in that film now we know everything? Since? I don't even think about it. I don't mean, you? he's just such a different person. Yeah. I mean, I can separate that because I'm a bit of adult and <laughs> I can. But I know I some people... I, by the way, I'm not just saying, like, because of all the exploits, but he shortly... He was in Platoon and then Wall Street, and he was, like... he was The hottest be, thing on the Earth. Thing. And then only a few years later, he was the guy that did Hot Shots, Duh, and, like, I, silly comedies, and then he did a sitcom for years, and it was like, oh, at one point, he was sort of a serious actor. I don't know what happened. Yeah. So... Yeah. What, I, I kind of mean more like uh, artistically, if that's a fair uh, use of the word, like the fact that he 
at the time I took him seriously. I did too. Go, oh, there's that really that guy that does loads of comedy doing a serious performance. It's sad. <laughs> he will again go back to serious drama. No, uh, uh, t- tonight. Yeah, t- when you write your book. <laughs> uh, uh, do you not? Do you, do you get what I'm saying at all? So the thing is, though, I know what you're saying. You're saying when you watched him at the time, you thought this is a hot shit actor, yeah. and now looking back after all he's done, yeah. you're kind of like, oh, it's... winning. <laughs> like I don't see that. I just look at it as for if it were. It, it yeah, is. yeah. You're making me sound like I have absolutely yeah. no ability to. You're. Uh, uh, you have asthma. To, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I I think it's a great film. I don't really consider it a guilty pleasure. Really? Yeah, I think it's an actual. What if good I film. played it backwards? No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Does so it have, does I it have fucked sort up. of really dated music and stuff like that in it? Well, it's got uh, David Byrne. It's Stuart Copeland does the oh soundtrack. Well, He's this great. Is amazing. This well, is good I don't people. know. I mean, uh, Rotten Tomatoes has it around. A little below seven out of ten. Okay, that's pretty. I mean, I don't know. What's the guilty pleasure? Uh, uh, people ask me what my guilty pleasure always. Uh, not on the show, but off record, and I have got the one that I think I would pick. But I thought of another one the other day. Um, I'm trying to think of. I know what it is. Go on. Uh, Ferris Bueller. <laughs> no, no, I don't. I actually don't like Ferris Bueller, and people think I'm crazy for not really? liking. Yeah, I've got. I've, I used to not like it, but I'm. I don't like the pack. The fact that people just laud it so yeah, much. Yeah, yeah. That I'm. Yeah. I, I've got a bit of a. I think I just don't like the spoiled brat lead character. I'm a bit like people like him used to make my life hell when I was a kid. Yeah, get so away with entitled. everything. Entitled, but um, no. I think one of my guilty pleasures would be, to, and I'm only saying this uh, to give you an example. Okay, all right. I was talking about this film the other day with someone. Couples retreat. Now, what I know, people would say that Pete Serafinovitz, who is brilliant, in he's it. great in it. He's great in it. But I enjoy he's that the film. Best thing about when it. When it comes on, I find myself watching that film. Okay, all so right. That is a guilty all right. Pleasure. Okay, okay. Here's one. I was just. This was just on the other day. The Cutting Edge, where this hockey player is teamed yeah. with a with a figure skater, and they have to learn to skate to go into the Olympics. I, I'm totally in. Wait yeah, I see it. You had me at cutting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess you can see it on. Uh, do I need to plug? No, you don't. The streaming service? No, no. no. Okay. Okay. So, uh, well, look, I think maybe Wall Street is more uh, polarizing than I thought it was. I think it might be. Yeah. Uh, okay. Tweet in if you hate. Uh, hey, Wall everybody. <laughs> Crank that knob. At I love Wall Street or I hate. <laughs> That's not a hashtag that's going to catch on, Rich. Oh, okay. Um, well, look, it's been a pleasure chatting to you uh, in podcast in the car park. And um, it's been a pleasure to see you, Rich. Can we it? see each other again, or is this it? Uh, no, the second I hit pause on this... Uh, You're uh, going to interview someone else? I'm off. I'm gone. Oh, jeez. Um, before we go, what's the... Uh, we were going to pick two of your songs. I miss you. Okay. Um, <laughs> let's uh, let's wait until I've uh, stopped recording. Uh, what's um, what's the song you've got to play out for us? Uh, "Love on the Rocks" from the jazz singer. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I just love to sing it. Mm-hmm. "Love on the Rocks." <laughs>
<laughs> it's not even good. Love on the rocks. Ain't okay. no surprise. I'll pour you a drink and I'll tell you some lies. Blah, 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 blah. More to that yeah, effect. Yeah. Oh, I was really enjoying that. Um, Rich, First they but, say they want you. No, that's we, it. We don't need to play it. Okay, all right. Uh, so, uh, just before we do play the song, have you got anything people can see coming out at all soon? Yes. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing a, a, another round of questionable science. Mm-hmm. On Comedy Central, but you can see the old ones on the Comedy Central website. They're comic. It's called Comic Con. No, Comic. It's called. Uh, Did you put booze in the coffee? Yeah, yeah I was just going to say. It's called you, Questionable Science. Uh, can people see it in the UK? Never. Good. Yes. No, they can. Um, on YouTube, I think. Okay. Yeah. And anything else? Did you you just shot something uh, for the BBC Three? Yes, uh, it's coming out, uh, I think, next month, in October or something. It's called Sexy Murder. It's on BBC Three. It's really funny. And it's like a... It's really funny. It's really funny. It's like a pastiche of... Uh, All the murder documentaries, like uh, The Jinx and Making yeah. of a Murderer. And this is great. I mean, the company that made it must have been right hot off on the... Tail it's cutting edge. Yeah. To turn a phrase well, from the previous um, thing I said. Cool. Well, this is Love on the Rocks, Rich. You have been an absolutely beautiful man. <laughs> and I, I was waiting for something to drop, yeah, like no. uh, oh, uh, disgusting. I'm, I'm not going to neg you. Uh, you've been great. Uh, Thank you. I, I'm glad you came here, even though it was under the pretense of a podcast. Yeah. Uh, and I'm glad that I. the only way to see you was by interviewing you and flying all the way to the American states. Of, that's it. Yeah. That's the only way. Okay. I gotta um, go. Okay, bye. Love on the rocks. <laughs>